Hello! Welcome to... Uh, this is a bad time to figure out. We haven't named this show yet. This is Bullet Points Talks. Yeah, this bullet... maybe it's just, it's just Bullet Points. It's just, it's just the Bullet Points show. But then there's numbering involved with the other Bullet Points. Oh, the main... we don't have to number this one. This is just... It's just the weekly or, you know, semi-regular. The check-in. The check-in, just to make sure that we're all still here and still um, playing video games, you know? This is news of the world. No, this is, you, can't, you can't call it that. You can't this is that. NPR. Can we call it that? <laughs> this is Fox News. Is that taken? <laughs> this is Breitbart. This, this, is, <laughs> this is Bullet Points colon Stormfront. And no. we're here to talk about the video games. We're here to talk about video games here at, uh, um, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're Fox News. We're, um, uh, we're Foxhound News. How about that? Does That's Bright so, Does Bright can you imagine saying exist? that to someone you didn't know very well? What? We're like the Fox News of video games. This Foxhound News? Like they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it, would they? They wouldn't get that joke. And then if you explained it, they would like you less. Yeah, they. I think would, as a person, they just kind of look at their shoes and be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool, I guess." Um, what were you going to say? <laughs> they look at they'd say like that's kind of cool, they I guess, and they kind of move the push chair that's got their baby in it like just a couple of inches further. And back I'd be like, you. "The baby? That's like when uh, Olga was being blackmailed into yeah. taking part in the big shell by, incident by the Lali Lulelo." Yeah, and then is is your baby going to grow up to to make eggs? And in an aircraft. Anyway, um, what were you going to say about Breitbart? Does it still <laughs> does it still exist? Like it was there was a period in time where it seemed like it was everywhere. Uh, I don't know. You know, I I took it off my homepage once I figured out their politics, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, I haven't does. been visiting lately. It does. It does. I'll just Google it. Yeah, I've not heard of that Milo Yiannopoulos guy for a long time. You know. And he, um, and, uh, all of those, all I of think those fellas. He pulled one of my favorite moves, which I figured we were talking about someone else, but the the self cancel, which is like the self own to professional mm. consequences, mm. where I think he he decided the hill that he was going to die on was um, sleeping with uh, minors. Yeah, I think that was his thing, right? And then mm-hmm. he was like, <laughs> he was like. They're not defending my right to free speech anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the last I heard of him, he was like, "Actually, I'm not gay." That was a a phase, and I'm like a, a like I think he was he's like I'm Orthodox now or something like Orthodox right. uh, Christian. Oh yeah, there's a there's a section on his Wikipedia that relates um, thoroughly to what you were just talking about that I'm not obviously going to quote here, but uh, yeah, okay. There we He's go. A, he was a yeah big figure in video games. He was. He I was wrote an article. I wrote an article like directly for him. It, he commissioned. It, it, <laughs> 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 you and you and the other guy who uh, has a lot of followers who used to be more directly tied into games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I did. Uh, I did an article. I think it was for. It must have been for Vice. Or, you know, Vice Gaming. Mm-hmm. The the precursor to Waypoint, and uh, yeah, it was about like Yonopolis had said something 
and I, I wrote a kind of a, a repost. This was during my, just during my kind of I'm gonna be, I'm gonna grow up be Christopher Hitchens phase, <laughs> mm. um, when I was like 23 or something. And, uh, yeah. Is that? Hmm. No, I don't want to reveal too much of my life. Is that a phase that a lot of people go through? Do you think who are like writers? I think I think critics? as a as a kind of yeah. As a kind of critically ambitious, uh, um, emotionally conflicted, mm. uh, <laughs> under-emotionally developed young, <laughs> y- young white man, I think that that is a rite of passage. There's like, there's a few different phases. There's like, when you're a child, there's like, you know, you're, there's the Power Ranger phase. Then there's you've got your like Bam Margera. I'm gonna be Bam Margera phase. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> and then and then and then there's maybe like your Ian Curtis phase. Uh huh. And, and then I I think you can go a few different ways. Like you might have like a Bill Hicks phase. Or I I uh, you know luckily even as someone who listened to a lot of Tool as a teenager, I yeah. never liked Bill Hicks. I think I like pretended to be like he was important. You know, I was like I respect. He fucking him. sucks. Like I'm n- I've never laughed oh, at a Bill Hicks routine. You go back and you listen to him. You're like this guy is it's just he's an the asshole. Worst. Yeah, he's just a piece of. He's just a fucking annoying asshole. But also, he's like not. You know, he's not a great thinker. And that no. was his whole thing, right? Was like, he's like, you know, rants and he's like, but it all boils down. Like, all politics is bullshit, man. So yeah. fucking take your LSD and open your third eye and see that all is love and we are all love. And it's like, that's that's where you're getting to. This is the point. This is your ultimate thesis is he, he did that psychedelics. Routine. Yeah, like psychedelics are the answer to, to yeah. all of, to, to the world's, you know, kind of, complete lack of anything he did that whole routine where it was like oh, i was in a diner and i was reading a book and the waitress came over and she she said what are you doing and i said i'm reading and she said why right and it's like oh yeah look at this fucking dumbass waitress also that like, didn't happen you first of all it no didn't way happen. that happened like no. second of all i'm sorry that like the woman in the fucking diner doesn't give a shit about your stupid ass book you're reading in public. <laughs> anyway, yeah, fuck that guy, wherever he is now. <laughs> Obviously, his career dropped off, so look who gets the last laugh. Oh, god damn it. Um, Tool, at least, you know, you could hear that, that kick drum whirring away. Mm. Uh, those mm. guys fucking suck, too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's a lot of bands from that era that were huge and were fucking terrible. So, Tool, The Used, uh, His Infernal Majesty. They had, like, a couple of good ones, I guess, but they were basically terrible. Fucking MCR. Do you want to go... Would you hang out with Incubus? (laughs) How do you do it? I now spend any time with us. (laughs) (laughs) Incubus was uh, huh, bafflingly one of my favorite bands when I was like sixteen. In that Tool era, I was that like, ma- that that does make sense actually. I was I like, this, of... I'm all fired up from fucking from Lateralis now. I gotta cool it down with some Morning View. Yeah, <laughs> and then maybe some uh, 
I had, yeah, but then I was like, I also like got onto like TV on the radio, so I did know what like good music sounded like. But I was like, yeah, throw that on for a little bit. All right, mm-hmm. now let's listen to some. Uh, who was that guy who like? He was like making banana pancakes, fucking. <laughs> Hard to know, like man. Ben Harper and Jack Johnson. Don't know. Oh, terrible music. I was, I was like, this is, this is good. This works. This is. <laughs> what is anyway? Okay, well, I'm just looking at some of them that now that I remember. Panic at the Disco, Good Charlotte, Bad Charm. Um, hell yeah! Those guys were those guys were twins. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Newfound Glory, The All American Rejects. <laughs> Someone's had it with society. Uh, <laughs> Fallout Boy. Those, but then, like, th- that's all a, of- that's rough. That's a rough. Um, but that that was also like, were you into any of those bands? Because I wasn't no. into any of those bands. No, but all the people, and especially all the girls that I fancied at school, were kind of in like the kind of girls that I fancied were into these bands. So I had yeah. to, I I I had to really fake it. Like, oh yeah, I fucking love Villa Velo. Mm. He's so you know deep. Is that um, but I, the him the him guy? That's the guy from him. But I was I was listening to like fucking weenie music as well. Just like oh yeah, I, uh, I like the Velvet Underground. Well uh, yeah, I was I was listening at that time period to also a lot of a lot of classic rock and yeah. being like, you know, they don't make them like this anymore. Yeah, but you my know? favorite my favorite band when I was a teenager was The Hives. The, the hives actually rip though. I never paid any attention to them, and then I played in a band in university, and one of the guitarists at the beginning was super into the hives, and I didn't get it. And then he had this DVD of uh, a concert, and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are." They're one of those. My opinion of the hives now is they're one of those bands who they don't evolve. What yeah. they do is not very complex or challenging in any way but it's it's good to have i'm glad that they do it you know kind of like black rebel motorcycle club you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like just do that that's what you do just 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 keep that just keep doing that where put on your leather jackets fucking who cares do that so if they if they released a new kind of like a doom 2016 every two years I yeah, just, it'd be like fucking it's fine. just do that. Just do that forever. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. That's um. That's actually a good way of putting it. Maybe that's a topic for the beginning, a quick one, or maybe that's too big of a topic and we should table it. Well, maybe maybe see if you can shrink it down. We'll do it. We'll do a truncated version of it right now. Well, let's say, is there like a style of game that you could just play, like a new one of forever? And it, like, just say like, not even like they're, not even like the stories are are exceptionally interesting or anything. The, the the way you're playing it is not not changing drastically. But if they just put out a new one every like two or three years, you're like, yeah, that's fine. I'll just keep buying them. Uh, have you got one? I think one leapt to my head right away, which is a surprisingly easy one. What? Uh, Assassin's Creed. Shit, really? But the thing is, though, it's a little bit complicated because I actually don't enjoy the act of playing those games, I don't think. But I always want to see the game. 
I want to see the setting. See, I, I want to know the setting, but I don't actually want to play it. Like, I'm, I'm always I curious. Do, of where's the next one set? Yeah. I want to. I want to walk around, run around in it, but, but I'm never. Hmm. I was gonna say I'm never satisfied with them. Critically, I think they're bad video games. Yeah. Yeah, they suck. Like every fucking single one of them. I would have played I, like an an Uncharted. If we didn't get four, I would have just kept playing another mm, Uncharted mm, every few mm. years, I think. For similar reasons as well. Just give me an action. No, I would have gotten sick of it eventually, though. Let's be honest. Yeah, that kind of... Yeah, I've not really ever had a desire to go back. Like, I did think fleetingly about replaying Uncharted 2 recently. I, I want to play all of them again. Uh, maybe that's a podcast series for the future, right? It's just... That's... That's a video game, you know. Uh, that is a video game. I will, I will concede that that's a video game. You got some characters. You climb a bit. You shoot. Yeah. You got some shootouts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a game. That is a game. I, uh, if there was a third-person shooter every year that that played exactly like Max Payne One, I, I would probably just that'd be fine with me. Yeah. I think yeah. that is one of the, that is one of the most playable games. Even though I prefer Max Payne three, Max Payne one is just so fucking playable. And to be honest, like after after playing Deus Ex a couple of months ago, or not not a couple of weeks ago rather, I, I could easily just play more of that all the fucking hmm. time. I would um, also another obvious answer is I'm always. Regardless of everything else, I'm, I'm always down to play a Call of Duty campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I, if, you, I, I, if you give me a day between when I last played one, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I could do that. That's I fine. could do another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even at the worst, I think the worst thing, like doing the Call of Duty podcast, is not so much playing the campaigns as it is. Well, some of them are real dog shit, but like talking about them and thinking about them mm. starts, starts to uh, hurt. So it's a wear on you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we solved that. Yeah, that was an easy. That was an easy one. I think Max Payne and Deus Ex, and yeah, you're all Ass Creed and a new Call of Duty campaign. If they did a new Call of Duty campaign that was of kind of equivalent quality to like, I don't know, like Black Ops Two. I'm not asking for a Modern Warfare one every year, you know, but just a just a capable Call of Duty campaign. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, I, I, I could, I could live on that. You know, that's why it really stung with this late, latest one. You know, it's just like, how are you fucking this up? You know, like, like come on, I, yeah. come, I come to you for something. Yeah, you know, it's like if you went to like McDonald's and they like forgot how to fill fries into a little right <laughs> cardboard thing. You're like, seriously, God. guys, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> God damn it! This isn't the Ritz, all right. How the hell did you? How the hell did you fuck this up? Weren't um, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club like weirdly big in the UK? They were huge in the UK. Why? So big, so big that I never listened to them because everyone was like, not everyone. It was like it was one of these strange things where uh, they they were huge, but you didn't know anybody who actually listened to them. Like, I never heard anybody say, "Oh yeah, I love Black Rebel Motorcycle Club," but they were on the radio quite a lot and. Yeah. Why, there, there is something in the British psyche that um, those kind of bands, um, 
Interpol really big in the UK? Yeah. But like just... weirdly big? No, but Interpol is also one of those bands that's weirdly big in Latin America, I think. Joy Division, but with more guitars. And we can find new ways of living. Make money in my in my old man. Going back to music now, a lot of times I I go back to Interpol a lot. Yeah, I need to give them another. What's his name again? Paul Banks. Paul Banks. Yeah, those first those first three records are very nice. They were they were one of my big bands in the. First year of university was it? Oh, turn on the bright lights. Was, uh, yeah, was a great one. Sometimes I was in first year. Antics came out. Uh huh. Antics, and that's what really got me into them. Although I had bought Turn on the Bright Lights, and I was like, "Uh, cheer up! Where's the yeah, energy?" Absolutely. Um. So all right. To me now. Did you Did you see that? Um. The Dandy Warhols tried to reform, and then they like got in a brawl on stage. Really? Yeah. Speaking of another band, they were probably playing like in, I don't know, some small town in the UK. That's what I Who's suspect. Who's that guy? Just hanging at your pad. We tried to reform, and it really went bad. <laughs> I threw a punch. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I threw. I threw a punch too. <laughs> it hurt pretty bad. Um, um, did I ever tell you when I went to see Wheatus? <laughs> no. Why would you do that? Did they play? Did they? Did it's they like play a, it? it was. Did they universe. play it? No. They well, they kept not playing it, and then eventually the lead singer of Wheatus, who I think was the only kind of like surviving Wheatus member. <laughs> Um, start, just kind of like lost his patience and says, "Right, do you guys just want us to play dirtbag and then fuck off?" And everyone's like, "Way, that sucks, man." Yeah, that's but but just give the fucking name up, like play music, but don't call yourself Wheaters because you're just never gonna escape it. You're never gonna escape it. Where okay, if you were if you were in Wheaters, where mm. would you put Teenage Dirtbag in a forty-five minute set? Uh. Because it's not as easy as you think to place it. <laughs> yeah, well, I probably... I don't know, you do it at the beginning. I want to have a 45-minute set. I wouldn't go on stage as Wheatus. Listen, you're, that's what you're getting paid for. I, would, I, think, I, I think it's I, the third, third song. I, I think I do... Okay, I think I do a kind of... A kind of solo... Slightly kind of like minor key acoustic version... To open, right, to open, and then it's do, like a, uh, a droning introduction with fog machines, and you walk out. Absolutely, it's like a John Majel Jar concert with like lasers and everything. <laughs> and uh, I'm wearing, I'm wearing like a black polo now. A, I look a, like a, a, a lot, like black from bucket like, hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I look like something from like Yoko Ono's band, and um, yeah. Her name is Luanne. Middle-aged dirtbag. Baby. All right. Should we get back on topic here? People aren't yeah, going to listen on. to this show. They're not going to enjoy this show. All right. So Bioshock is what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. On this on this episode. I didn't even bother. There's no attempt there for a segue. Just no, to, no, we don't. We yeah, don't so Bioshock. Um, I, the, the reason why... Well, there's not really a reason why. I talked about it with somebody... 
a friend of mine kind of in passing uh, recently. And um, have we ever done it? Have we ever done that on this, you know, on the show, this publication? First, first episode of the podcast, I believe. It wasn't. Was it? Thinking about it now, I think it was. And then we went back to Infinite, didn't we? For an issue. Uh, I do seem to remember that. With, I remember Yusuf wrote something, a really good article for that one. Yeah, he, he does pre, that. It's kind, of, it's kind of his thing. Pre-Blood Oath. Pricking yeah. our fingers together. Yeah. Before he in got... In the mid-Atlantic. Be, before he was made. Before, before Yusuf got <laughs> yeah. made. Before we brought him down to the basement, showed him the chalice. Yeah, opened the books. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I no, just, I'm just we, not we sure have. I want to work for bullet points no more, Tone. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Christopher. Anyway, you're gonna uh, play, you're you gonna play be, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2029, fucking, and you're you gonna write play, an article. Jesus fucking Christ, Christopher. Uh, yeah, so, so, so we have done stuff with it, but we haven't we've, done we've anything done, for a while. Right, so it, we're now in the year 2024, which means we're 17 years Holy shit. since the release of Bioshock. Um, and I, I, I really can't tell, like I genuinely don't know whether in my head Bioshock is a better game now that time has passed. Or whether it's just become, like, just irrelevant to me. There's a part of me that kind of thinks, right, I loved Bioshock, and everyone kind of went AP for Bioshock when it came out, because it was, you know, AAA production value, but but there's things in here from books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that you just ignored the fact that it was kind of a shitty FPS. Uh, it was, now it if- was bad. Bit, but this one, this is what I mean. I'm, and now I'm wondering if I went back and played it again, would I be like, okay, yeah, I get all the narrative stuff. But actually, this is also a really great shooter. I don't think mm. that would happen. It's not a good shooter, right? When I played it at the time, like I rented it and I just heard I was like partially checked out of games, but I had heard that it was really good. Mm. And a friend and I rented it and played it. And I remember being like, this is not like I'm not enjoying this. This is not. There's there's very little like enjoyment in just kind of like navigating this world and shooting the enemies and doing all that kind of stuff. Like I remember thinking that that wasn't good. I was mm. glad I played it because I remember thinking at the time that the best parts of that game were the first hour and then like just knowing the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not not mm. even like experiencing it, just like knowing what happened was like okay, that was it's good to know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> mm. that um uh why am i blanking on the studio is it was it just called like a 2k something irrational oh it was irrational that's right well yeah but was it irrational later and at the time it was 2k boston um i think it was this is what i'm saying like how much is fucking faded from 2k memory? games slash and irrational irrational right oh, yeah okay 2K Boston at the time, yeah, later Irrational. But Irrational was founded in 1997. Ugh. Um, what was I going to say, though? 
they they're really good at um as i think you've written said before and it's true it's kind of like regardless of anything else those people can make a first hour yeah of a game like the the opening of bioshock was incredible when i first played it like the plane crash and how dark the sea is the the kind of pacing of when you're in the the bathosphere and it starts going down like the whale swimming across and the music and Uh and then finding that first enemy um like comes at you out of the dark really good kind of really good opening spiel as well from old uh andrew ryan you know good yeah good, good monologue there but yeah kind of um you know kind of shits the bed as it goes along but I they think the, the first, they are, the first Bioshock the... lets you believe it's smarter than it is. And then, mm. it, in retrospect, it's kind of dumb. I think I think you're able to finish the first Bioshock before you kind of go, ah, Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Whereas, that's that's kind of what I mean. It's like, yeah. I think it keeps you along for the ride, and you can watch the credits and be like, that was good. Mm. And then you realize. <laughs> and then, like, an hour later, you're like, oh, it wasn't that good. Whereas Bioshock Infinite, you yeah, you, you, you're Binfinite. done with it. Get into like, Infinite. They they are the kings of the fucking vertical slice because, yeah, Bioshock. That, they say they say that first first thirty minutes, first sixty minutes, terrific. The fucking beginning of Bioshock Infinite is oh, like so good. Oh, it's really oh, good. God, that was like as good as games fucking ever got. Was the opening. You know, thirty to forty. It's everything in Bioshock Infinite up until you get a gun is just superlatively good. Um, yeah, that, that stuff is there. There, and I think they did a decent job in that one. Of there are some good moments at different mm-hmm. points of it, more so than I think the first Bioshock. Kind of, it all kind of blends together mm. in my memory a little bit more. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean. I, the first Bioshock, I can remember kind of like bosses and maybe like the names of some of the levels or some of the kind of areas. But despite having played that game maybe 10 times. It, it does kind of blend. Yeah, I think I remember kind of like the, uh, the like crazy uh, director, right? The theater director. Sander Cohen. Is, or is that the guy who's like sticking body parts on things? No, that's the doctor whose name I I don't remember. Yeah, and I do. I remember the like where they make where the little sisters hang out. They're like mm, nursery mm, place, mm, and mm. you like realize what that whole thing is. And I remember the first time I played it, being like, I hate playing this so much mm. during that part <laughs> for some reason. I think uh, Bioshock Infinite has more like there are a few sort of set pieces that stand out more but uh-huh. still it, it does blend together i like the baptismal stuff in that game i like that the game had the had the nuts which is like such damning with faint praise with this stuff that it's like evoking it's talking about america but it's not obfuscating stuff and it's being like wounded knee the boxer uh-huh. rebellion uh-huh. Like, look at our sins and then it's like this evangelical evangelical stuff and then there's these freaks who these racist freaks who worship um why am i blanking on his name right now shot lincoln john wilkes booth yeah and it's like all that stuff and i was like 
that's cool but it gives um, you like the the texture of uh maturity when i think it's just like yeah it, it doesn't quite get there but that stuff still kind of sticks out in my head i'm like and then when you say like well is it better now than it was then and i'm like well at least there was something to like chew on there uh, it was pretty thin thin tack you know but at least you could chew on it some more uh, uh, i would take a bioshock over a I don't know what what was game of the year twenty twenty one. Death loop. I would, I would take it over a death loop. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I the the thing that you know the the, the sort of cardinal sin of Bioshock Infinite is the fucking you know just the equivocating, isn't it? And the kind of oh yeah, both sideism and then. Bioshock One. It's goddamn. I I feel bad criticizing it too much because I I, I will say this right, and <laughs> this isn't necessarily something that objectively makes the game better, but it it, it it's important to me. I, th- there's a sliding doors moment where. I I don't play Bioshock in two thousand and eight. And and we're not having this conversation now, right? It was like so. The most important moment in your life was when you decided to play Bioshock. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I wouldn't have met Reed McCarter and started the immensely profitable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. The uh, the, the yeah. immensely profitable and not, you know, often a fucking waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> It was it, it was the game where like, I'd always loved video games. I've always been like a, a video game person, and then it was like, oh no, hang on, maybe there is some kind of you know yeah, like lit- literary quotient here. That's kind of interesting because I I think like I always say it's like well it was Metal Gear was the reason I kept playing video games because mm. like you know checking out on games got a PlayStation One, got Metal Gear Solid One. Kind of checking out on games, gotta get that, gotta get that Metal Gear Solid Two. You know, mm. same thing with like, and then PS Three for Metal Gear Solid Four, which I was definitely not in the financial position to be scraping together money to play that. But I was like, gotta see, gotta see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then that was the whole reason I would not have, if I had not bought that PS Three to play Metal Gear Solid Four, I would not have taken assignments uh, reviewing games. And then would not have continued to then had the the foolish thought that games are getting a lot better every year. They're getting a lot more interesting. Yeah, well, that that was true though. That was true for a few years. It there felt was like a, it, right? Like yeah, that and, was and, true. and then I do think like Bioshock was one of the ones of yeah of when when did it come out? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. It came it, it came out two thousand and seven, but it came out on the PS three in two thousand and eight, which is when I played it. Yeah, that's when I played it too. I rented it like. Yeah, because I remember buying the PS3 and being like, "Oh, I want to play Bioshock mm-hmm. and Mass Effect," and I couldn't play those. And I was I was sad, screaming, crying. I, I I bet that the first thing I ever wrote about video games, with any, you know, sort of like critical impetus, was probably about Bioshock. I think that mm. I wrote I think that I wrote something for my campus magazine about Bioshock. And it was mm. it was it was the game that sort of like yeah I mean I had played Metal Gear Solid I'd played Metal Gear Solid two, and I'd been moved by 
video games and and was kind of like you know kind of like tacitly quietly aware of the the possibility i guess that oh yeah you know they've got stories in them um but i think that when bioshock when when i first played it it was also when i just started studying at university and i was studying you know film and literature and it was the first time that it kind of occurred to me that you know video games could potentially be studied you mm. know for their for their not not for their kind of uh like technical properties not in a kind of like game development sense but in a yeah in a in a sort of like you know theoretical art history sense um and that was you know that's what kind of yeah i guess that was the thing too like i started i think it was around that time like all around that time i also started reading action button like tim rogers old mm, website too mm, mm. and that was like a you know kaleidoscope of being like, and then like playing like bioshock and being like oh okay this stuff i've just learned i can use it here like yeah this is a very similar kind of thing of being like i i was taught how to apply a certain lens to uh books and then i took some film i took like two film courses and you know similar kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and then being like hadn't really occurred to me because most games were you know things to waste time on um yeah it was like metal gear solid was... and like shadow of the colossus yeah like shadow the... of the colossus is a good one actually we, we i remember also that. just hearing like oh it's a got good reviews and buying it used at blockbuster for like yeah. 10 bucks <laughs> and then like popping it in and being like whoa yeah hey shadow shadow the colossus was definitely one where it was the first time i thought i have to kind of phrase it i'm playing a game that's not like other games right um i'm playing something that that is i could show this probably to someone who doesn't play video games and they'd get something out of it i think was that that was how i felt playing shadow of the colossus probably for the first time I distinctly um, remember playing that game and like I had bought it like walking home from class and stopping in at this blockbuster. Um, and then like I, I was like, I'll play this new video game I treated myself to. I must have gotten paid or something because I was like, I'm going to have a few beers before I go to this party and I'm going to play this game for like two hours and then uh, go. If mm. thinking like this is just you know like beep boop, <laughs> beep boop, yeah, 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 that kind of thing, and then like walking to this party and just like feeling weird, like walking by myself and just being like, like it, it was like you know like watching like a movie that gave you a sense of, uh, you know like it, it's it's style was such that it actually like colors how you feel for a little while, mm-hmm. and being like oh okay like in retrospect being like I guess a game can can kind of do that you know can mm-hmm. kind of put you in that headspace has it has it been done like the really the, has the really great feminist reading of shadow of the colossus been written surely it has right you'd have to check because there's a lot on yeah. that game but yeah i think so i has there been a really good one though because it's not as simple as woman mm. sacrificed you know, mm. I, it's not that simple. No, I, I mean, I think it ends on like a really, there's a, there's a really great essay or, oh, there's something that I read years, years and years ago about um, uh, Irreversible, the, the Gaspar Noe film. And how, yeah. it, and it, how it ends on that shot of Monica Bellucci in that public park lying on the grass surrounded by other like mothers and children 
and mm-hmm. it the, the 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 essay kind of posited that the film ends with like images of two different very two two very different types of kind of sexuality that the beginning of the film where they're in that kind of underground club and it's Vince Cassell and it's yeah. like it's like rutting and it's like masturbating and it's like fornicating and it's fighting that's like a very kind of male sexuality and then the the film ends on this you know this this like feminine sexuality and that to me is like the parting image of Shadow of the Colossus which is you know she she comes back to life you're dead and it's her and a baby in this you know this garden um and there's something kind of this is what I'm saying. This is why I'm asking whether this has been written because I think there's something to be said about you know, there this is. image. This image but of I, like a, 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 a kind of like, yeah, a very kind of like feminine ideal, I guess, almost. Uh, you'd have to check. I, yeah, I, 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 don't, yeah, I, I don't know because there definitely is something there. There's also definitely something to the fact though that it's like, I think it resists a little bit of like how neat that binary can be as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, like with with how monstrousness is showed and stuff. Like the Gaspar Noé, like kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, his his views on sexuality, I think, are, are it's also going to take him a lifetime to work through, right? But mm-hmm. I always thought that kind of like uh, irreversible. The that kind of stuff was very like maybe because I saw that movie too when I was at the age to be like, oh, Madonna or the whore. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, that is what you are doing there, sir, and that is problematic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and part of me is like, I'd be curious to watch that movie again. Also, I, I, I don't think I can watch that movie again for, you know, that the infamous part in the middle. The moment, uh, the infamous the scene where uh, one, of, one uh, of the worst things ever put on film, I think. Um, the the terrible scene where Vince Cassell dances to Daft Punk. Um, you know what Um, i i (laughs) it's not a competition i do think that the scene in the house that jack built with the rifle and the mother and the kids uh that what a what a picture what a picture what a picture what a picture the ending of that movie made the whole thing i was like oh it just three, quarter, three quarters of the way through, I'm like, "What are we doing here? This yeah. is like watching um, what was the black and white one? Like kind of proto fan footage where they're like following the serial killer. Um, mm. it's, not, it's not Henry portrait of a serial killer. No, but it's sort it, of in that same. Oh come on, it's not man bites dog, is it? No, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, it is. It's man bites dog. That's the one with the film crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's. It, up until you know maybe three quarters of the way through i'm like is is this kind of what we're doing here or mm. similar like henry portrait of a serial killer just like is this just an exercise in cruelty which is not you know entirely without merit or something and watching uh i, I just can't remember any name anymore the fella what's what's his name <laughs> well the actor yeah why can why am i blanking matt dillon that's right Watching Matt Dillon do this, and I'm like, is this just Matt Dillon and, and Von Trier being like, we can we can be this fucked, we can bother you this much, and then the ending just there yeah. it is stuck with me forever. Up. I'm like, what do you even do with that level of cruelty and violence in film or mm-hmm. novels now that that movie is is there? You know, it's like you did it. It's like the house that Jack built is like a. <laughs> 
it's like a very kind of like moral religious movie you know <laughs> it is it, that's the thing too is like von trier has like if if you're willing to want i think his most brutal films are often like the most like yeah just just sort of like reassuring in a sense mm, of mm. of like these things are terrible you don't have to be this way <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. even like antichrist which i think is actually like a brilliant movie which is also one i don't think i could watch again i think at the end of that movie i was like yeah okay like i you you did it i see what you're saying here and and it does feel kind of like moral at the end mm-hmm. it's like be better be better to each other be be, be 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 kind be kind to each other that's the end of yeah. the house that jack built that's the message it's be kind I mean, to it, each other like kind of yeah 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 hey listen don't don't shoot the children with the hunting rifle <laughs> that scene is fucked that was i, I remember the, watching the, that it's, it's the, just like oh my god full body clench the entire yeah. time being like is this going to be in this and then also because it's von trier you're like it could it, this could be in it another director uh, you'd be like they're not going to do it it's too much and then it's in it it's in it it's in it okay let's um Let's throw to the bullet points audience here. We've had a few questions in about uh, Bioshock that I want to. Lars von Trier asks. I, I want to. <laughs> Which is it. your favorite two D Mario? <laughs> 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 which um, Which two D Mario would Hitler like most? Mm? <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so, old old Bioshock was uh, you know was directed and co written by Ken Levine. Um, let's just let's just go with a a more straightforward one to begin with. This comes from Joe Brandon, um, who I'm gonna I'm gonna officially title friend of the podcast because okay. uh, it, it, I'm offering Joe the title of friend of the podcast because he he often replies to me on Twitter and um, he has, <laughs> has opinions that I think we all have on the show. So that makes him oh, afraid. Because well, well, he, yeah. he, he agrees with, I think, a lot of the sentiments that we kind of share on this program. Well, then um, you're... Any, anyone who disagrees with me... Is an enemy of the show. Is an enemy. <laughs> Will Smith, Gene Hackman, enemy of the show. Enemy of the show. That's right. Okay, so Joe asks... Um, and just to put this into context, you might have seen, I'm sure um, uh, a few of us have seen... The, the new Ken Levine game that's on the way out. I think it's, it's called Judas. Am I yeah, right sounds, in that? I think, I think right. it's... Yeah, well, that's kind of, that's kind of what Joe's question is, uh, is about. Yeah, it's called Judas, an upcoming first person, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Joe asks, Are you disappointed or surprised that Levine's new game seems like another permutation on Bioshock? Let's, the, the, the question is longer, but we'll start with that little... A little first half there. Disappointed or surprised? Um, Reed, are you disappointed or surprised that Ken Levine's new game seems to just be another permutation of Bioshock? No. Not at all. No. Okay. Not at all. He's... Yeah. I'll elaborate later. Okay. Uh, I also am not surprised. I can elaborate a little now uh, and, and say I, I think he was a, a, a one-and-out kind of guy. A one-trick pony. Um, and I think you can see that creeping in with Bioshock Infinite also. So it doesn't doesn't surprise me very much. Um when do you Oh so, no after uh, you go on. I didn't want to cut you off, but I think there's like a 
it makes me think of something that I've thought about before where Kojima at all made Metal Gear Solid one um, four times maybe <laughs> you know what I mean like mm-hmm. Metal Gear Metal Gear 2 and then Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2 are all kind of the same thing mm-hmm. um, and Solid and 2 are kind of the breakthrough moment of this means something uh, I think doing it with Solid 2 I think was intentional I think the other ones were him trying to get something, right? Mm-hmm. It makes me think, though, about, like, the desire for, like, formal uh, experimentation or is often seems like some some people, like, are held back by trying to do or trying to tell the kind of stories they want or something because they feel like you have to have a different way to express it in order for it to be worthwhile or maybe commercially viable so it's like levine has to be like bioshock it's system shock Mm -hmm. so it's system shock system shock 2 and then we get bioshock and it's kind of like a crystallized version like the metal gear solid version of it and then he's like you know discounting bioshock 2 because he wasn't that wasn't his but then he makes infinite right and he's like i have to elaborate on what i already did and partially it's like you gotta wonder if and notoriously (laughs) like a very troubled production right mm-hmm. and you have to wonder if like uh, partially it's like well i want to tell a story but i had to s- stick it into this box to make it work or i have to try to like frankenstein different appendages onto like what mm-hmm. i already did to you're the you're the bioshock guy yeah 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 you know and it's like i don't know it's there's a lot that goes into a video game right there's a lot of different moving parts so I don't know. It almost seems like maybe then at sometimes, but you get like a, a Kojima, I think, and you get like you know here he is, and he he's getting to finally not make Metal Gear Solid games, and even within Metal Gear Solid, he was trying to do different things within mm. sort of a template. Uh, I don't know. And so like that's why I'm not surprised or disappointed really. I think he's he's <laughs> also the the really unkind thing you could say too is like well it must have been very frightening and brave of him to not make something set in a city cut off from the rest of the world you know <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm I'm not disappointed i'm not disappointed like i there's a part of me that's kind of like you know I, 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 he made bioshock man i'll, I'll give the guy another game like I, I'm, I'm keen to see another ken levine directed game fuck it right and I, I talked to him a couple of times. I met him a couple of times. I, I got on with him. He was a, a, he seems like a decent guy. I I will play another Ken Levine game. I'm not You're compromised. I, yeah, maybe shit, mm. shit. Yeah, get Kotaku in action mm-hmm. on onto this one. <laughs> um, and I I will happily play another Ken Levine game. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that he's kind of what I what I. My my sort of quiet hope is that Judas is to System and Bioshock what like the Irishman was to Goodfellas, you know. Um, and that maybe... that is such a weird like. Think of all the movie Scorsese made from uh, going all the way back. What's the first one uh, with with Keitel and stuff? Mean and... Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Yeah, think of Mean Streets to the Irishman. And think yeah. of like, you know, 
three three games and then your Irishman moment. <laughs> but I guess that's I don't know. That's also kind of how it works in games too, right? Everything takes way too long to make. I I would like uh, I'd be interested to see him kind of burn his house down a little bit, you know. Um, which is what Jordan Thomas, director on Bioshock Two, and you know co creator of Bioshock did with that game The Magic Circle which was fucking great and, and no one played it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I played that good game man like two hours long it's kind of just like an essay you know it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, but just just fantastic it, um, did it come out around the same there was that game The Beginner's Guide which I'm, I'm yeah it was yeah. I, I didn't like for reasons that are too big to get into in this podcast but I kind of felt like Magic Circle was sort of a better way in a, in a lot, a, a sort of less. I don't want to say narcissistic, but I already just said it. A, a, a less like self-involved way of, of absolutely talking about that kind of thing. Yeah, and less patronizing and more personal. Um, yeah, more kind of like heartfelt, right? It, it felt mm-hmm. like someone like reaching out to you to say, "This is how I feel." Yeah, and this is kind of like where where we are. Yeah, um, the, the 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 magic circle ends with a guy like just sat on the floor crying because he can't. It, it, if you're listening to this and you've not played the magic circle, um, yeah, go go and look it up. That is a as an official bullet points recommendation. <laughs> um, okay, uh, the, the rest of Joe's question: What does it say after Levine's talk of quote narrative Legos and reinventing game storytelling that he's apparently thrown in the towel on that? And gone back to what he clearly knows. Well, I think I think my answer to that at the moment is, I I'm kind of reserving judgment because I yeah maybe maybe there is going to be something in this game that, you know, um, attacks or you know kind of satirizes some of that stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't put that past it. I think that that's it has that potential. Um, yeah. That I, I I'm curious. I'm curious to see what he does. I think there's like I, I thought two things here. I think there's a tendency in games. Well, I think it's like in in uh, kind of our culture at large right now that if anyone makes a wrong step, then they can burn in hell for eternity. And I don't mean that in in terms of like horrible, you know, personal things. Like I don't mean that in terms of fucking like abuse and stuff. I mean that in terms of like he makes Bioshock Infinite. The mm. reading of that game that you naturally come to if you're paying attention is like pretty horrible right it's mm. it's essentially saying like both sides in everything right mm-hmm. i think he fucked up i think he was trying for something and i think he was trying for something which the impulse of which i think is good and natural is uh, a humanity of, of trying to say that like trying to somehow be like you know because I remember him saying something at one point about like, uh, which maybe this is too much to get into on the show, but but him essentially saying that coming from uh, a family who were I think Polish Jews I think, and then seeing the way that Poles were persecuted and then how they persecuted Jews as well, and saying how how does that why does that happen in humanity that people can be the victims and then go on to victimize so horribly. And I think there's a tendency there that's good and humane to interrogate. I think you can't do it and have this kind of like 
things are in a vacuum. You know, mm. you, you can't mm. have an enslaved people in this game rising up and then being like, but they're too violent. You know, like that's like, come on. It's just, mm. Mm. but I think he, he sort of like got this, got this like um, mark against him for that. Like being like, you now are completely worthless. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I think he fucked up. I think he he made it was a stupid. It's a stupid game, you know. Mm-hmm. He, it's it's a game where I think he was trying to do a lot and he fucked up. And you would hope that you work with people who are smart enough and considerate enough to not let you release something like that. Um, but this is video games, baby. Um, there's there's something that Bioshock Infinite is doing that I wish it did. I, w- I wish it. I, w- I have to phrase it. If it's got like I don't know three different kind of uh, thesis that it's trying to deliver, this is like this is like the C thesis. This is like the third thesis, and I wish it had been the the game is focused. I wish it had been the priority thesis, which is your relationship with uh, Elizabeth. Fucking mm. excellent twist at the end, right? Where and it becomes this kind of this this really great sort of rug pull on the whole male gaze, which you know is is in its most fucking, like, pure alcohol form in video games. And the game... Yeah, like the Disney princess stuff kind of with yeah, her yeah. and, like, yeah. And there's the, there's a sort of, like, subtle invitation throughout the game that, you know... It's not even subtle, but there's this... I mean, the first time you see her, you're looking at her through her fucking window, and she doesn't know that you're there, right? It's the male gaze, like, in an image. And there's this kind of, like, subtle invocation that... You know, you as a player should be looking at her and kind of fancying her. There's like a little bit of like, you know, uh, maybe you want to fuck her, and then and then the game does what it does, and it's like nauseating. And I just you could fucking take out all the religion and politics stuff. I swear to God, and that mm. is that's a fucking game. Well, I think there is something there, and that's part of what I'm talking about. Like, you can't dismiss this thing entirely. Is there is this thing about like this place obsessed with sin and original sin and like the baptismal stuff at the beginning and everything and like trying to be reborn um yeah and 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 this idea that like they they worship the founding fathers and everything and um the idea that you can never be reborn you know and the cyclical kind of cyclical kind of stuff and that i do think is like a clever kind of thing of being like you can't you have to acknowledge the sin you can't wash it away it's impossible and that whole thing too, being with like this like patriarchal view of of her as like this like servant slash sex object mm. and being like, Hey, also you're treating her kind of like this daughter figure the entire time too, in a sexual way, and then oh shit. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's and then you could argue too, it's like, well I'll just fucking watch old boy. That's gonna give you a lot of that stuff too. But it's like I, I do think the religious stuff and the political stuff I think ties into that in a way that I don't know. It's like I think about that game and I'm like, fuck, just give it to it. Give that script to an editor. Yeah. For a while, you know, have a have a real struggle session with that thing. Come out the other end, you might have something really interesting. Um That's yeah, yeah that's why I, I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, this this dovetails into um the next question, which is from uh, Skyrim ambiance, and they ask. That's called snow. Yeah. Here in Canada, we have a word for Skyrim ambiance. It's called snow. It's called snow. 
It's called It's Snowing Outside. Uh, They ask, is Ken Levine a smart dumb guy or a dumb smart guy? (laughs) Uh, Uh, I... (laughs) I think based on what I just said, I have to go dumb smart guy. I also have to go dumb smart guy. I think that from what I can tell from his work, there is, you know, there's a kind of bookishness. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's some philosophy there. I think there's a lot of ambition, and you know, there's there's vision, like the, the, without a doubt. And I think it's it's very possible to look back at Bioshock now, the first Bioshock, and be like, oh Jesus, but cry. I mean, this was two thousand. You know, he was making that game or directing that game rather. Probably beginning in like two thousand and five, when I think it was it was also a long production cycle. A long, for that game a long too. It was also yeah. troubled, I think. Yeah. So it might be further. There is, I think, it takes like an intellect to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for to to kind of shepherd something like that to fruition in that era and in that context and kind of contemporaneously I think that Bioshock was a very very you know like a, 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 a unprecedentedly smart AAA game um, so but but at the same time like everything that he's done I think he's quite sort of like brute force and yeah, quite blunt yeah. right and you know I, I, I don't think that he's a, a, a friend of nuance as such and like when well, when when his games like when Bioshock Infinite, for example, tries to sort of introduce some nuance, it's nuance in the most kind of you know like fundamental basic way that actually cuts out all the nuance. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think it's real dumb smart guy kind of stuff too. To that the kind of stuff I was saying, where I think there's so much in that game that almost works, mm-hmm. and then to the way in which like the both sides thing is so it's it's so like this is a five minute conversation with a colleague and you go oh shit okay i i can't believe i didn't i was so blind to that i'm gonna go back and rework Uh, this uh, (laughs) you know uh, it's it's like fucking he's reading a textbook and he walks off a cliff like it's it's just so it's just such an obvious like it, it does not take, which was also I don't know whatever maybe that's petty or mean, but it was also funny the reviews at the time, and that it required, <laughs> like, kind of like voices from outside the mainstream to be like, ah, this is it doesn't really hold together as as well yeah. as it's being praised for, um, but yeah, it, it's just so avoidable, you know, and that to me is real like dumb smart guy stuff. Yeah, it's it's smart stuff done in the most kind of like baseball bat way, um, and I. What would dumb? What would smart dumb guy look like? What's I was smart, just thinking. Yeah, what's Kojima, his, what's it's, it's Kojima. Yeah, you're right. Ko, Kojima is a man who, you know, is at essence jiggling a plate of eggs and yeah, looks g- like giggling to himself yeah but he 
he he goes further. He is a man who, you know, wants a character chronically shitting himself to be the romantic lead mm-hmm. of, you know, the culmination of like 20 something years of, of sustained storytelling. <laughs> it's and but he's but he can't help himself but be profound <laughs> at times, you know? Yeah, it's like Mr. Magoo, you know. Yeah. If you if you picture like an episode of Mr. Magoo where he's walking down the street avoiding everything that could hit him in the face and then like yeah. in the process of doing that somehow like two gigantic bags of money that are being transferred <laughs> to the bank clip onto his belt and yeah. That's that's you're right. That's that's the that's the Kojima style. Um I guess maybe the real answer is everyone's kind of a dumb smart guy and a smart dumb guy you know yeah, everyone has yeah. those tendencies i do think though as a, as a working theory levine and kojima fit nicely into those categories levima that's the celebrity couple levima although i don't think either of them are quite as dumb or smart as uh you know as you'd want the extremes to be mm. Mm. like you really want like a savant who like i don't know has like his nuts hanging out of his fly John Romero. John Romero just seems like just a, just smart. Yeah, you're right. That was a, that was a bad call. Who made who made who made like a really great game that was a complete? <laughs> oh, I can't believe I said John Romero when there's someone so much more obvious. It's Cliffy B. Oh, oh it's yeah. Cl- it's it's Cliff Blazinski. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go back and you watch like Kanye's uh, Katrina interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> well, you got it. Yeah. You got it, you know, and that's going to, you're going to be able, that goodwill you can burn through for about two years uh, mm. later on <laughs> mm-hmm. of, of, of you, you know, getting it right and in, in, in delivering it in like the stupidest way, mm-hmm. you know. Do you, that scene in, do you remember that scene in Forrest Gump when he's running and people keep coming up to him to like ask for advice and ideas? And yeah, just yeah. like, that is Cliff, Cliff Blazinski is Forrest Gump in that scene. Like someone hands him a t-shirt and he wipes his face on it and passes it back. And it's, a, it's like, it's the design document for Gears of War. <laughs> he is really... Yeah, you gotta separate the art from the artist, right? You gotta... I you cannot read. I I go back and listen to that episode where you and I argue about this. I cannot look at the first Gears of War as anything but a commentary on mm. America at the time. I cannot. And dude's driving around in a Lamborghini, right? And like, there's no fucking way he ever thought about any of that shit. Deliberately, like, but maybe that maybe that you know is a testament to like the. So like Jungian, like collective unconscious. <laughs> Cliff Brzezinski <clears throat> is a testament to the Jungian collective unconscious. He just it filtered through him. It yeah. Him like with like wraparound Oakleys and like frosted tips, holding a chainsaw <laughs> gun to his dick. Yeah. For a photo. That, maybe that's how. You know, like those those guys in Minority Report who lie in those like tanks, the ones that can see the future. Uh huh. If you just like empty your mind <laughs> sufficiently, you know what I mean? If you just kind of, yeah, like adapt a certain persona, then all of a sudden, like all the world's kind of knowledge just 
so you're momentarily saying momentarily flows into your head. You're saying that Cliff like <laughs> achieved Nirvana. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cliff Brzezinski in, in those like in those like baggy quicksilver glasses. <laughs> just typing away code and just uh, it all came through. Yeah, it all, it all came, came through. through. He transcended for a moment there. He transcended. Oh, I like um, that theory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're 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 pushing for time. Like I I, I try and you know I want to try and keep these ones a little bit short, and we're we're, we're over an hour already. Um, then again, I don't. I don't want to necessarily like cut short the other topic that we were going to talk about today, which is, I mean, one of the one of the patron saints, I think, of bullet points as a project, like a yeah, a, a, he's on the on the Mount Rushmore of bullet points. Um, James Him, McCaffrey, gone. Sorry, Lynch. Yeah. And then Kane and Lynch together, and then James McCaffrey, and then Solid Snake. It's an extra one. Um, no, I think it's I think it's James McCaffrey. It's Kane on his own, Lynch on his own, Kane and Lynch together, and then maybe the super shotgun from Doom Two. Um, Solid Snake is on there. Solid Snake is on there as well. Yeah, it's quite a long. <laughs> it's a much bigger rat Mount Rushmore than the real one. It goes on for like half a mile. Uh, um, I don't want to distract from what you're saying though, because I do think. Yeah. So James, yeah. James McCaffrey died. Yeah. The, the voice of Max Payne, and in, in Max Payne three, the also the face of Max Payne, uh, died. And obviously, you know, his other credits are you know Control. He's in the first Alan Wake. He's in the second Alan Wake. Um, and just the, just like such a, such a kind of integral, but also an integral figure in my own kind of like personal gaming taste, but also one that I never really stopped to think about that much. Like just kind of there. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, he's Max Payne. Um, and now he's, he was... now he's gone and that's it. He's gone. Yeah, he was um, always one of those kind of people, I think, when you start playing a Max Payne game, was always when it, and he starts delivering those lines, and you're just like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And then by the end of the game, you've taken it for granted, and then you kind of go on your way. Sometimes you think about it, and you're just like, it's great, it's perfect, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is one of those things where I was like kind of you know i'm not gonna feign too much sadness of i i find it sad when if i knew nothing about him or anything i'd be like that's too bad you know early 60s that's he should have had more more time that's that's unfortunate but i didn't know him and but i was i was like fuck that you know mm. and i think it's because he there was something where uh he there's a lot of himself in or, or at least he gives you the impression there's a lot of himself as a as a good actor uh, in Max Payne specifically. I think he he does great as he's great as like the former director and as Thomas Zane and everything. But Max Payne is is the character mm. um, is completely it's it's him right. It's it's that that voice. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's indivisible. I mean, we had this conversation on the day that he died, I think, and we were trying to come up with other voice actors and characters who, you know, you did, it's impossible to even conceive of, like, a, another voice for that character. I think the closest I came to was David Hayter in Solid Snake. But then again, I, I, I don't miss David Hayter as Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid Five as much Well, because as... The, the writing isn't as... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's... Not, a, it's not a snakey. He doesn't talk much. No, his, like, the, the snake characteristics for dialogue are... There really, there really aren't any. It's kind of sardonic, but so is Big Boss, right? Mm, mm, mm. And also all the characters, like all the main characters do the, uh, what's it, the Intero Bang or whatever, the, uh, you know, the repeating the, the, the tag mm, on the, on the mm, question. Mm, mm. But James McCaffrey and, and Max Payne, I think the way that Sam Lake and uh, which of the... Um, brothers was it for uh it was dan right was the the lead writer on max Payne 3 i'm I no i don't know if he actually was it might have been one of the others which was it would have been dan hauser but i don't know if it was uh michael unsworth and rupert humphreys who actually wrote the script i'm, I'm not sure that dan hauser actually writes max Payne 3 let me just let me just quickly check that. oh okay okay None, but don't don't quote me on that you know sure. what though that does make me think though that the only other characters that immediately come to mind as having and one way more so than the other is uh and it's terrible because i jesus man my brain is just melting in my ears this whole episode uh what's his name who does arthur morgan roger clark roger clark i think the combination of the writing and the the performance in that game are you know that that arthur morgan to me is a, is a fully realized yeah. Uh, character um and and so is uh james marston the first james marston jesus christ <laughs> not cyclops god man seriously my brain is melting john what's his... john marston john marston not marston i think is also a a character who is very full in, in a way that like the max Payne characterization is um uh, Dan Dan House did co-write with with Michael Unsworth and Rupert Humphreys did co-write Max Payne three, and yeah, I agree that like both Sam Lake and and that writing team. It, it I, I I'm not saying that this is how the game was originally made with like Max Payne one. In fact, I I saw Scott Miller of App formerly of Apogee, uh, who would have been involved in the publishing of Max Payne three under. Uh, would have been involved Max in the publish- Max Payne 1 and the 3D realms. Um, he, he shared on Twitter a letter, I think, that he had sent, or someone had sent to Remedy, saying, like, we're, we're opening auditions now. And it's obvious that the script was written, hmm. after, uh, was written before the auditions. But it feels like, it feels like they heard that voice of James McCaffrey's and the dialogue was written for that voice. It's it almost, it's like they wrote it for... See, it'd be interesting, too, to, like, in, in terms of... I, I think a lot of things that would be very interesting to know about the, the working relationship, because the people at Remedy seem to have that... Uh, not a very mercenary approach to actors, right? They've mm. returned... They, mm. they, they like to use the same actors again. What's... Uh, is it Matthew Paletta? 
Is is he? Uh, he's um, he's, he's Doctor Darling in uh, and Control he's, and the voice of Alan Wake. Yeah. The voice of Alan Wake, yeah. Um, yeah, and even like uh, what's his name from Quantum Break comes back. Uh, Sean. Sean, yeah, Canada's own. I'm Ashmore. Too, uh, Sean, Sean Ashmore. Ashmore. And it came out too that uh, Doctor or Mister Door, the talk show host, was supposed to be Lance um, Reddick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but it would be interesting to know too because I, I, when I was preparing to to write some stuff for Alan Wake too, and I was watching some old some interviews with uh, Sam Lake, and he was talking about between uh, Max Payne one and two, he he went and I think studied script writing mm. in between. Like he, he, I think the way he put it is like, well, I wrote the first one. Now I had to actually like. Oh, now I'm going to be like a real, real writer on this stuff. I got to go and and make sure I know what I'm doing as best I can. And I wonder too about that. It would be really interesting to talk to him about writing that and now knowing it was going to be McCaffrey. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And also of writing characters like Thomas Zane or something or the former director and being like, how much of that voice is in your head? Hmm. Um, it it feels like it, 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 honestly it feels like they're working backwards from the voice um it does that's but, but that's like sort of yeah like chicken and egg almost right like when I, I i guess yeah i guess but my the the what i mean by that is it's just like they're, they're just such a kind of perfect union um in the way that there's like certain characters i think certain actors were born to play this is a really shit example because it's a bad film. It's not a bad film. It's a, it's a pretty fucking lousy film. But you remember Mickey Rourke in uh, Sin City? And it's like that <laughs> fucking role was made for that guy. Like, yeah. be, or like even like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Like beat up shitty post facelift Mickey Rourke is yeah. just made to play that character in The Wrestler. Um, yeah. 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 I know what you mean. It's, uh, I mean, De Niro has the ability to do a lot of that as well. I'm thinking, I finally saw Killers of the Flower Moon, so I've been thinking about my boy, Marty, and my my good, dear personal friend, Bob, mm. a lot. And uh, I think De Niro, especially in those Scorsese movies, and, uh, you know, like, think of him in, like, Taxi Driver and in, uh, like, Raging Bull. It's hard to think of other people being him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just well, like a like a glove. My enthusiasm for the you know the the pending Max Payne remake thing is is less now, might considerably less. Um, to me, it would be one of those things where I I don't know I you know these are big things with lots of money involved and you know I think maybe the ball starts rolling downhill and it's almost impossible to stop it, but. To me, this would, if I was kind of in charge of this project and we didn't have some some of that recording done or all of it done or whatever, I, I would say it's, you gotta yank the plug. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah, um, how, how, how do you do it without this guy? I know that, that seems, seems kind of crazy to say that because it's like, you know, they made AI after Stanley Kubrick died. They fucking... I don't know, you know, there's plenty of examples from throughout history of, like, 
you know, they, the Bond carried on after Sean Connery, whatever it might be. But yeah, there's, there's, there's just something, there's something kind of so fundamental, I think, about the identity. Not just of the character, but just like the atmosphere, the tone, the ambience. Like, the, the first thing that I think of when I think of Max Payne, it's actually not Sam Lake's face. It's James McCaffrey's voice. Um, it's not that health soundtrack. It's not, you know, it's not even like the, you know, the two guns and the bullet time or anything like that. Max Payne is... I can't even, like, say the words Max Payne without hearing him being, like, you know, Max Payne. Well, that's how you get the, um... The thing, too, I think, where 3 is such a... Is is quite, like, a tonal departure in a lot of ways. Mm. Not entirely and not as severely as some people think it is, but it's a lot darker, right? Mm. Um, and the level of self-loathing and everything in, in the script in that one is is a whole other level but i think mccaffrey and i i wonder too also if writing that script you can hear there's this there's a there's a sense of like disgust with himself that comes through in i think even in the first one right like even Mm. from as soon as you get that opening and you're just like this is a guy who is not happy about what he's doing um (laughs) It's it's the way he almost like mocks every line he says. It's like he almost is making fun oh, of it in his voice. That's so true. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And it's like, but then that has a way of like when he's he's you know saying like look at look at me and I'm a drunk old fat you know pill addicted, whatever. In the third one, you're like, no, you believe him being like this is where this has ended up. Uh. I don't know. It yeah. I really wanted to see as well. I I, I thought uh, uh, what they were doing with kind of taking the the first two and and putting them together. I thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and kind of like shortening the arc that he goes through. Um, anyway, it sucks, man. It's a uh, yeah. It's a loss. It's one of the uh, one of the greats, I think. He's gone. Uh, yeah, he's he he was he was like, uh, yeah, one of the, one of the bullet points starting eleven. One of the one of the all timers. Um, I in the same way that like, in the same way that I was talking about Bioshock earlier on, where it's like a kind of inflection point, where it's like, oh, no Bioshock, no interest in games as, you know, artistic objects, no, career. Uh, yeah, like Max Payne when he played it in two thousand and one, it's like fuck, this is so good, <laughs> and like a a big part of that comes down to that voiceover. Um, yeah, you you can picture how easily that could have gone wrong too, mm. because it also like in his his performance as as Max Payne is like perfect remedy as well, like that sense. Yeah, of like, that's so true. Like we're taking this seriously, but we're also having a lot of fun. Like yeah. because the the dialogue, like that, really kind of like overblown noir stuff. But sometimes it's actually quite good. Yeah. <laughs> the the dialogue, right? Like, but it's there's a self consciousness to it too, and and kind of like a not not like they're like above it or something, but kind of being like it's a bit silly, but also we love this, and that's kind mm-hmm. of like the. Yeah, the remedy kind of vibe, right? Like that that you're, mix you're, between. You're nailing it here. Like you're you're firing on all fucking cylinders with this one because that that is absolutely it. 
I've that played a lot of Remedy games. That is absolutely it. Like in 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 one concise summary, that's absolutely it. Like he is that kind of mocking but profundity, but still a bit silly, but serious about being silly, but silly about being serious. It's all there in the delivery, and that is Remedy as a like fucking going concern. Especially like the genre aspect of it too, right? Like being like the detective yeah uh, yeah yeah so it's reads read well done well done Reed. <laughs> thanks Ed. yeah thanks You're, you should uh you should do more do more game criticism yeah well i'm getting paid so much i have to keep turning it down because it's <laughs> it's against my ethics to become a billionaire i can't give sure. away the the vast give, sums i'm paid can't give away the money fast enough when you're working game criticism can you think of anyone else who kind of has that same that kind of thing it's really hard to think of someone who is so intertwined with a character and uh <clears throat> and a game and everything um you know what this is this is it, it it's a lesser example but I think that over the three original Modern Warfare games, you develop a bit of a thing with price, and it's mainly from there are a few moments when that voice kind of comes down. You're into you know, like your earpiece. It's like oh, you know, thank God this guy's here, and it's like it's the voice. It's also the weird enough. It's the facial hair. They give him just like <laughs> these two little kind of you know these two little like affectations, and yeah, you just you just like having that guy around, um, and I do think that the 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 performance of the the other guy was named Barry Sloan in uh the, in the, the new ones yeah i don't i don't warm to him in the same way that i did um, he's fine though i think he does a fine job it's just not it's it's not what it was it's it's no. a different kind of character who is i think they want you to feel the same way about the character but don't do anything to really earn it mm. yeah so uh, that, that one that one does like jump to mind for me you know who was good in those original ones is Kevin McKidd. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's always value for money. He sounds like I've never seen a Grey's Anatomy with him on it. Was it Grey's Anatomy that he was on forever? Uh, I want to say that it was. Yeah, I can only picture him as 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 a uh, poor the this one of the saddest characters in in uh, film. I guess literature this is Tommy from Train Spotting. Of course, yeah. Much sadder in the book when you get the whole story with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, picture him as that, as either the the saddest man ever, or as just an actual honest to god man. I believe has killed someone with his bare hands. <laughs> you know, like what, his what? his uh, his portrayal as a part of one four one or whatever. You're like, that's a man who is all business with murder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, he was like that in uh, he was in that TV show Rome, and he was like a proper hard nut in that one as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and the dearly departed uh, guy as well, who was Punisher at one point. Who? Ray Winstone. He's not dead. He's not dead. Ray Winston is not dead. No, Ray Winston is not dead. You're thinking of somebody else. And Ray Winston was never the Punisher. (laughs) <laughs> Ray Winston is <laughs> Ray Winston is like categorically not to punish material 
Ray Winston is like a 60 plus year old paunchy cockney guy. Oh my god, that's 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 not who I was thinking. That's not who you're thinking of at all. No. <laughs> it's Ray. No. It's Ray. Ray Stevenson. Oh yeah, you were thinking of Ray Winston. <laughs> that's. I don't feel good about that mistake. I'm the Punisher. I'm the fucking Punisher. You slag. <laughs> um, Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. Yeah. Okay. Did you? Yeah, he was in RRR as well. The internet is reminding me. As an evil Englishman. You know, we... Uh, you asked about, you know, characters, voice actors. I don't like the games that much. We talked about them earlier. I, I don't really give a shit much about the character. But Nolan North and Nathan Drake, like... Yes. Yeah, so that, and then that, they, they... They go, don't they? They do. And then... I was thinking about this as well. Is James McCaffrey wasn't doing a knockoff Max Payne all over the place? No, no. And and I do think that as well about like Hater. Like he stands out because he wasn't doing knockoff Snake all over. Mm. But Nolan North, there was that period of time when you could not escape. Nathan Drake was the like de facto star of every game. Even like Spe- I don't think he was good in Spec Ops. I don't think I think he was miscasting. I say miscasting Spec Ops. Yeah, I I I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, he's, I don't believe him as, with right. that kind of anger. No, not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, he's a good pull. Uh, we were maybe, asked on. Oh, go on, sorry. No, I was just gonna say maybe maybe Hater though does kind of fit that because they did have to change Metal Gear to change the voice a little bit. Mm. Kiefer was a version of. Of Metal Gear with Kiefer. Kiefer was actually a good choice, though. I I have a a a, a friend and a colleague who um is is adamant that Kiefer Sutherland is the is the superior snake. Um, and I I like I, I like his world weary delivery. Yeah, I don't think he's the superior snake, but he's a good punished venom snake. You know, he could have been a good um. Metal Gear Solid 2 Snake as well. Mm. Of the kind of like, we've been doing this for too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our noses have been out in the cold for too long. I can't, I can't even get close to doing Snake's voice. Kiefer as Solid Snake. Donald as Big Boss. <laughs> Tommy Douglas. Former national NDP member. Mm, mm. Uh, party leader. Founder of Universal Healthcare in Canada, Kiefer's grandfather, Donald's dad. He can be. Uh, I guess there there is nothing beyond Big Boss. He can be zero. He could be boss. He could be the boss. The boss. Yeah. See the scar. Yeah. It was it was from an operation done gratis by a public by doctor. Our public health service. Yeah. A publicly funded operation. We have. Uh, I want to just close out then on the on a question. Um, this is mm. from uh, Faux Surf on Twitter, and they ask, "What do you think makes a great video game voice acting performance?" It's a good question. You want to go? I think that it? I think that for a long time, right, uh, we were in a position where, owing to you know technical limitations and graphics and resolution and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the only thing that you had 
to make a character kind of like emote and come to life was the was the voice performance. I mean, you know, Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid One doesn't move his face, can't move his face, doesn't barely has a face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because like Max Payne in Max Payne One, you know, Sam Lake has got such a kind of distinctive face that there is a lot of character there, but mm. he's not moving and like emoting in cutscenes or anything. So I think for a long time the 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 mark, I guess, of a good video game voice performance was someone who could, like, you know, communicate a certain type of, you know, a, a certain quantity, if you like, of, of character um, just through just through speech. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that they were working with the most complex characters. Like, you know, it's not like Faust or something, but still, I, I think that there had to be the ability to, yeah, like, think about, like, David Hayter in Metal Gear Solid 1. He, he's doing a lot of work there. You know, there's, like, there's angry moments, there's sad moments, there's quiet moments, there's loud moments. He, he gives that is he you, you think back of Snake, I think is more cartoonish than when you replay the yeah. first one. He especially with very, very silly material a lot of the time, he mm. he uh really makes a character named fucking solid snake mm-hmm. uh uh human, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like he, he he does so much of the game's kind of narrative lifting, but then again, I think so does the the, the whole voice cast. Like that's just got to. Yeah. If we talk about like an ensemble cast, not just characters, but just like the the actors. Fucking Metal Gear Solid One is. Meryl is great too. Oh my she, god, she has a fake name for that, I think, because it's like, yeah. Um, so in May May Zimmerman, but the May May Zimmerman is the is the fake name. Yeah. Um, I, I, her, her actual name is Debbie West or Debbie May okay. West. Um, and is it is it Jennifer Hale who does Naomi? Jennifer Hale is Naomi, yeah. And then she Cam, does a great job too. Yeah, Cam Clark. Cam Clark, <laughs> fucking Liquid Snake. He like he he does what he needs to do. I I think that fucking performance is wonderful. <laughs> I think it's so good. It um, makes you want to keep playing. Same with uh, also the guy who does Ninja. Yeah, Gray Fox, and they all do. Psycho Mantis, like Gray Fox, Psycho Mantis, and Liquid are all absurd characters and, to voice. Yeah, absolutely. And they they have fun with it, but they also like there is something. Again, I guess it kind of like encapsulates a lot of Metal Gear, right? It's like absurd, but you do kind of like buy it enough that these are real people too, mm-hmm. or you can buy that they have emotions. And so part of what makes a good video game voice actor is is being in Metal Gear Solid. Like that's a that's, yeah that'll that, do it. That helps a lot. Um, but yeah, anyway, we, we, it, it's kind of different now because you know the the graphics in video games are, are kind of sufficient that you you can get a level of emotion. I think on those faces, I still find it quite uncanny. Um, I'm playing Cyberpunk still at the moment, and you know the character Pan Am. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of moments where she's kind of like looking at you while you're driving. And, it's, know, like a, there's a little smirk yeah. and it really works like there's times where it fucking is yeah i am sat in the car with that person like she they they did a whirlwind job there are you um, gonna play the expansion eventually the... eventually don't don't tell me anything about it eventually no all, all i'm gonna say is that idris is very good casting right, uh, okay. especially in in a video game which you know who can forget his turn in uh the original Modern Warfare Three, as a truck. Was it? I was going to say was it was a he, hammer. Is, Timoth- Timothy Timothy who were truck. 
Who played Truck? Who played Truck? In... Fucking HBO darlings who <laughs> do these great characters. In... Let's make them a guy named Truck. <laughs> We've got a um, great... This is your agent on the phone. Hey, this is... Okay, okay, let me give you, let me give you some here. Let me give you some. Okay, so Idris Elba was the actor behind Truck. Okay. He, pl- what he was... played Truck. Who was Timothy Oliphant? He was Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, Tim, uh, got a great offer for you here today. We're gonna, it's voiceover, but it's, uh, you're gonna play the Grinch? You're gonna be the Grinch. Oh, well, that's really, that's surprising, but yeah, I'd love to. It's like, you know, Jim Carrey did it before me, and, uh... Yep, yep, all of that. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so... <laughs> I'll just uh, come on in. It's it's just a day's work somehow. Uh, it's just an afternoon. <laughs> oh, I guess it's gonna be a, a short or something. Here's, and then... here's Idris Elba, you know, string a bell. <laughs> oh great! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, this is a real. Uh, this is a very <laughs> prestige production of. Uh, and here's Grinch. James Gandolfini playing Clifford, <laughs> the big red dog. <laughs> but but a military guy. Yeah. So. Um... No, Idris Elba in, in Phantom Liberty. Yes, I've heard, heard it's the, very, very good things. What I meant to say is the facial capture yes. is is, uh, is good with him. Mm-hmm. And, and the same kind of thing. It's weird, too, because you're used to what Idris Elba looks like. Um, mm-hmm. But he has he makes certain expressions, which I think the casting director was spot on. Like Although I'm sure it's partially stunt casting, let's get a big-name actor who will say yes. Uh, the kind of character he plays in that game, he can make this like kind of like hang dog expression that yeah yeah com- it can. comes through perfectly yeah in that game. But then, then you look at like an Until Dawn, <laughs> you know. Oh, where they or any of that Man of Maidan stuff? Um, it's some uh... of the weirdest stuff. They haven't. It hasn't improved either. I played the most recent one last year. The the quarry. No, not even that one. It was one of the shorter ones. It had that Irish Irish actor Jesse Buckley, who's a really good actor. God damn, I yeah, I'm out of my depth there. I've not played. The only thing I played of theirs was uh, uh, fucking until dawn. Until, until dawn. The Devil in Me was it that one? Yeah. No. Yeah, Devil in Me. Okay. They made her look fucking weird. Yeah. Remember yeah. Rami Malek in Until Dawn? He looks insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh. The Devil in Me has got Paul Kay in it. I, yeah, what's he my, from? One of, my, one of my comedy heroes. Well, internationally, he's probably known from a like small role that he did in Game of Thrones. Um, but over here, he's known for a character he used to do called Dennis Panis. On what? Um, so Dennis, no, Dennis Penis had his own show. Dennis Penis was a, a, oh, okay. a, a, it was a quotation mark celebrity interviewer, um, but he used to just like ambush celebrities outside of premieres and ask them really horrible questions. Oh, I'd like to watch. Have you not? I, Dennis Penis, his most famous one was he went up to Steve Martin and said, "Hey, Steve, Steve, uh, how come you're not funny anymore?" <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, oh, I've definitely seen that. Yeah, you seen that one? I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, kind of like a Jiminy Glick kind of thing. You yeah, but... Jiminy Glick clips? But, but, but Jiminy Glick, the celebrities are in on it. Yeah. Dennis Penis is... was just doing it for real. Um, like, he... I... 
it, it was one of those weird things where I played that game and I did recognize him. Yeah. And then looked him up like after when I was playing it for a bit. He doesn't get to do much in that game. He walks around and he wants his cigarettes very badly. Right. Right. Um, and I think he tries to smoke cigarettes from a vending machine from the 50s. And then I think you can die doing that. Oh, that's right. Um, I've just realized we're still not answered the question. What makes a good performance? So, yeah, uh, in the old days, it used to be a voice that could really carry the character. Nowadays, I worry that it's just becoming like. I know this is kind of maybe kind of rote opinion, but it, there is something that makes me a little bit unhappy that increasingly video game characters are going to like you know known quantities. Mm-hmm. I, I I liked it when we were kind of it felt like we were kind of developing our own sort of like roster, our own bench of performers. But you know what's wild though too is that I think two of the best because a lot of game performances here are just kind of like nothing, right? Yeah. They're kind of yeah yeah. A lot of them are just like serviceable because a lot of game stories I think are, are kind of watery. Um, uh, ben Starr, like one of the last times I like sat up and was like, "Whoa, like mm-hmm. this 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 person's doing something," is uh, and not to say anything about the quality of the games themselves. Ben Starr plays the uh, is an English guy who plays the main character in the latest Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. and he is fucking he's on ten. The entire time that game, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which makes me also think like going for it is also a big thing, especially when it's not your face. Like mm. the ability to, this dude is like giving, putting a level of emotion and depth into this character that the writers were not capable of doing. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. I like the game quite a bit, and I think the character is kind of a nothing, and I think she makes the character entirely and is really deserves a ton for how uh the people who do like that game uh melissa it's like jurgens or something who plays senoir senoir she that was another time where i'm like holy shit like this she she puts a lot in it and it's um also another one of those performances which is like a going for it kind of performance Mm -hmm. um which I think is like a big thing, right? Like a, a lack of like shame about the material or something, especially when it comes to that guy Ben Starr in the Final Fantasy stuff. Like, you know, he he treats it like he's fucking working on like, you know, he's he's performing Shakespeare or something uh-huh. with the with the dialogue he's given. He he puts it all out there. Um, yeah, that's I think that goes a long way in games. Yeah, I think, I think it, the other thing I was going to say is good direction. I think you can't understate. Mm-hmm. I think Nolan North, a huge part of why everyone was like, wow, he's so incredible. It's like, well, look at actually the performances in when Amy Henning was directing those games. Mm. Um, the performances are just uniformly fantastic. Uh, she's a good director, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever else you want to say about him, I think Druckmann also gets a ton out of uh i think he's a good director too Mm. i think despite the the stories and everything i think troy baker in the last of us and uh is is actually like an extremely good performance Mm um i think the performances are good in those games i'm gonna shout out one final video game performance i love and unfortunately it is from a 
It's from a, a, an actor who is famous more outside of video games than in video games. But if we're talking about fucking going for it, Brian Cox as Stark Weather oh, yeah. in Manhunt, like he does not fucking hold back. God damn! I mean, it's the dialogue as well. Like they, they just, they, they von treated it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But he like throws his weight behind that, and there's some choice lines in that game. You, um, Brian Cox, I have a lot of respect for him as someone who, I was really thinking about this again, Succession finished and then a month or so later, um, you know, where he, he finally like really got his flowers, I think for Succession more than anything else in his career. Um, and then like a, a month or so later, like listening to a podcast on Spotify and the automated like pre-roll and outro ads for about three months straight were McDonald's ads mm. narrated by Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Brian Cox going the like, mm, I love the uh, last fry in the bag. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. You know, like yeah, the yeah. fucking whole thing. And then he's in this video summarizing Tekken. Te- the Tekken 8 thing, yeah. And... I feel such an affinity for this guy who he loves acting and he thinks deeply about it. He wrote a book. He's, he's played some fantastic characters. He's done all this shit. He's like a veteran of the stage. He's obviously like devoted to art. He quotes like Shakespeare in his interviews and stuff. He's also a fucking hack, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean that, I mean that in like the real sense of like the man will work for a paycheck. He'll Mm -hmm. just do what you ask him to do. Mm-hmm. And he's like the manhunt thing. It's like he doesn't. He he went for it, mm. you know. Like he could have just dialed it in and like fuck those actors. You dial it in, but you're too good now to like earn your money. Mm-hmm. Not Brian Cox. Not Brian Cox. He Brian Cox has still got to eat, man. <laughs> he's still got to eat. Yeah, his McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh. Brian Brian Cox needs McDonald's while he's playing Tekken. I can't I can't objectively say what makes a good performance because it's so variable. All we've done is really sort of say some examples of good performances. <laughs> and, yeah, but maybe maybe from there, you know, you can reverse engineer what makes a good performance. I think he, yeah, you gotta have some, you gotta have some decent material, and you gotta have some good good direction and you got to have some commitment you know mm-hmm. you got to commit to it um yeah right uh yeah fucking a fucking a um, fucking a man is that it oh uh, i think that'll do this this went on way longer than uh than i anticipated this is a this is a big boy we had a lot of talk about today god damn um it's now 25 minutes to 10 at night and i've still not had anything to eat so i'm gonna i'm gonna go now um yeah you can do that i i wonder i think people are gonna hate this show do you think so i i think so why why do you why do you think people are gonna hate this show i'm gonna say say it's unfocused yep um they're gonna say it's like self-indulgent or something they they think their opinions are worth recording in this format. Mm. I think that's what they're gonna say. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I wish you'd said that at the start. 
No, 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 God, no. You can't ever think about the merits of what you're doing. Until I'll tell you what. I, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's let's let's. Uh, How no do you give people point... money? Something, some value for their money. Uh, is this going on? Inch... Is this going on the Patreon? I didn't. I, I don't this know. Is a, this is a Patreon thing. I don't know. I I don't know. I I I think. I mean, we'll discuss. <laughs> we'll discuss it elsewhere. But I think that 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 will determine the extent to which people think of it as just like self-indulgent bullshit. Uh, I'm also going to, I'm going to put this disclaimer on the end of this, this uh, recording of this episode. Um, But basically if, if people, you are as the listener, you are absolutely at your leisure. It's your prerogative. Let me know or any of us know on Twitter. If you think that this is um, all of the things that Reed said that it might be. And we'll consider this a pilot episode, right? This is a test broadcast, okay? So if people listen to this and are like, yeah, this is just fucking... This is just fucking bullshit, then we won't do any more. But if the, if the feedback is, yeah, I... Uh, I, can lo- I love that, man. I was, uh, just love listening to those guys. Then we'll do some more. Uh, yeah. I can't say yeah, fairer than that. I can't say fairer than that. It's, it's got to be shorter, though. This this was... Uh, yeah, this went on. This is obscene. Yeah. I think it's also because it's it was a, a time of day for me recording where I am avoiding <laughs> getting back to work. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of the, the mood you want to bring into uh, creating something for other people's entertainment is... Uh, prolonging it so you don't have to tend to no. things that's that is usually what makes a good anything yeah, is trying to make it as long as possible so you know people are like killers of the flower moon could have been two hours long and scorsese was like yeah but i gotta i gotta so, make i gotta make I dinner i gotta make dinner <laughs> i don't I want do i don't want to do it probably the washing up uh leo um, hilariously miscast in that film i don't think i'm going to do that money but money so Hell of a picture. Better than any video game I've ever made. So, I'm going to... This one's going out for free. I'm, we're going to put this one out for free as a test bed. Mm. And then uh, we'll take it from there. But if everyone thinks it's... Uh, you know, if, if the consensus view is... Uh, so it's garbage. It's a negative one. <laughs> I think we should start doing that more on things we do. Because, like, you can sometimes take silence and you're like, well, are you advertising the thing well enough? Or is it the silence of, like, a respectful... Mm don't stop doing this mm. <laughs> a, a disapproving silence <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yeah we should probably uh probably take a temperature test a little bit more often right i don't know who knows i don't know anything anymore yeah. you put All one right. foot in front of the other ed it's a pleasure Thank- yeah and you uh whatever your fucking name is yep um if you've listened for this long thank you thank you (laughs) strange thing to say um and uh yeah we'll uh we'll maybe be back with some of this uh some more of this shit (laughs) in the future some more slop for the tray some more slop for the tray baby bye what a fucking downbeat ending Jesus Christ, we have such a spirit no, 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 of discussion. No, no, no. Okay, here, here. No, this is, 
we're actually rallying. This was this is a good episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, for yeah, listening. yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks we, for listening. We love. We, we love do. The, if you look on the website, those there's evident <laughs> effort that goes into all those things. Thank you for listening. Don't judge us based on this. Please don't judge us based on this. Please uh, give us another chance. Give us another chance. We'll we'll have Yusuf on in the future. He's he's <laughs> nice. You'll like him. <laughs> right? He'll he'll save the show. Yeah. All right, Ed. I actually I enjoy talking though. So yeah, me too. me too. All right, take care. Bye. Then he got me scared. He could run, but with a bullet in his stomach like a broken bottle of Tabasco, he was quickly running out of time. He knew where his boss was, and I wanted to square things up with Jack Lupino. Gogniti would be moving fast. I don't know about angels, but it's fear that gives men wings.